Welcome to the Affordable Freedom Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Hume. Affordable Freedom is about defying the ordinary. It's about rejecting society's definition of success and the rat race it takes to achieve it. It's about slowing down to spend more time on what's truly important and using your money to build a lifestyle around those values. Financial freedom doesn't have to wait until retirement. With mindfulness and intention, you can make it happen a lot sooner. And it can be more affordable than you think. Thanks for taking some time to slow down with me today. Today, Wendy Barlin is joining us. And for those of you who don't know Wendy, she's one heck of a CPA, in addition to being a profit consultant for small businesses and entrepreneurs. So I think whether you run your own business or you've dreamed of escaping your corporate cage to work for yourself, I think this is going to be a meaningful conversation with a lot of value. So Wendy, thanks for joining the show today. Thank you. Excited to be here, Brian. Wendy, I had to laugh um, because we're, we're working together you know, to help people in ways. You and I have talked about how we can um, help the same people on a referral basis. And it's kind of ironic because I can be outspoken about you know, how people and mission are more important than profits. And, and that, is, that is important to me. And you're a profit first consultant. So I found a little bit of irony there. But <laughs> the fact of the matter is that you can't get very far without fuel. And one of the things that I've learned from Simon Sinek, actually, is how whatever it is, if it's a mission that you want to um, accomplish with your business, like a social mission, or if it's simply living your happiest life, you don't get very far if you don't have profits. Right. And that's why they are so important. It's not the profit itself. It's what the profit can do for you, your business, and your life. So can you start off by just telling us a little bit more about Profit First? So thank you. Yes. And I am a huge believer that our goal, our responsibility as business owners is to be profitable, not only to take care of ourselves, but to rebuild our communities, put money back into our communities. And that's why we're so focused on profits and minimizing taxes so that you can use your hard-earned cash most effectively. Uh, and Profit First is the very best tool I have ever found to help manage my cash. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Like what specifically you've, you've uh, implemented in your own personal life? So I have implemented Profit First both for my business and my personal life. I think it's important to decide what you want your money to do for you. So if you want money to go to conferences or you want money to travel or you want to buy your dream home to set aside a bank account and put a percentage of your money into that account so that you can watch it build. You can see yourself getting closer to your dreams. It creates such an awareness of where money comes from and where money goes to. And the reason I like the percentage rather than a flat dollar amount is that that way, as you make more money, so your savings grows. As you make yeah. less money, so you put away less. Whereas when people pick a hard number, like a random thousand dollars, as their income fluctuates, it gets harder to really make sense of that number. So I like the percentage basis. I believe in the good old fashioned envelope system where you put away money for a goal, something you're working towards. Yeah, I love that because that is one area where you do the percentages are so important because you get that snapshot of sort of where you are 
currently with your profits, with your biz, with your income, whatever it is. And then over time, I mean, ultimately the, the point of having more money is to increase the quality of our life. So if you've got these kind of envelopes set up and they represent the most important aspects of your life, you would want those to exponentially increase over time. So I really like that concept and can't wait to, um, to learn more from you about it. I know we're, we'll have a lot more conversations on that in the future. I wanted to ask you, Wendy, um, you know, one thing we talked about in, in our first conversation, in fact, was when you made the decision to leave your corporate career and start your own business. And this was back in 2001. And since then, you grew a successful business, you sold your business. And so I'm curious, what would be your advice to aspiring entrepreneurs as far as when is the right time to, uh, to quit your job and go out on your own? So I have good news and bad news. <laughs> The good news and the bad news are the same. There is no perfect time. There's no perfect time to quit your job. There's no perfect time to get married. There's no perfect time to buy a house. And there's no perfect time to have a child. Life happens when it happens and when it's the right time for you. So for me, the morning that I watched the towers fall in New York, I said to myself, wow, life is short. I cannot sit in this chair and work for these people anymore. I, I can't. It doesn't matter if I don't make as much money. It doesn't matter if I'm not so important in the world anymore. I can't do this. That's your gut check. So for you, it could be a sick parent. It could be a change up in the workplace. It could be that you couldn't find parking this morning or you got stuck in traffic <laughs> or the coffee was terrible. There is no right time. It's when you feel it in your gut and you say no more. Because the road to being your own boss, it looks glorious, but it has bumps. It's a bumpy one. And there are days when it's hard. And so you have to be prepared for those hard days to remember that gut check. When you said, I'm done here, that feeling is what's going to get you through the bumpy days when things don't go according to plan. And that's the message that I share with everybody sitting in a chair today going, when should I do this? You'll know when it's time. Yeah, that's such a great point. Because me personally, like I sat in that chair and sat in it and sat in it. Well, I wasn't really in a chair. I was out on the road a lot. But um, I, I just did it. And, and I got to a point where I was going through motions. I had really no motivation other than, you know, keeping that paycheck coming in. And I eventually just got to that breaking point and I was like, I, I can't do it anymore. So that resonates with me. And I think whether it's something as extreme as 9-11 or even like COVID recently, we saw right. that act as a catalyst for a lot of people to, you know, kind of hit their breaking point. So whatever it is, I think that's great advice is that you'll kind of know and, and it's something you sort of want to follow your intuition with. And then one thing that I realized is that um, after I made the jump, I was like, wow, I actually don't need as much of a financial cushion as I thought I did. You become a lot more resourceful, right? When you make that jump. So, yep, that's exactly right. There's something about that paycheck coming in every two weeks that we seem to squander a lot of money. And some of it is to just make ourselves feel better. So I had a terrible job. So I bought myself a comfortable car because I thought, well, I need a nice car. I'll make the commute feel not so bad. Or, okay. oh, I'm going to treat myself to a big expensive lunch today because 
I have to sit at this desk and deal with these awful people. And so I found myself kind of spending money to make myself happy. But when you don't have that anymore, then making choices of how you spend your money is different. Like I would rather be self-employed and eat a sandwich in my kitchen every day for lunch than go out to a restaurant. That's just a personal choice. One you might make for yourself. So definitely money and what it means and the quality of life changes. I will also say that one of the things that I did uh, when I knew that I was ready, I hired a personal coach and I'm not a huge fan of personal coaches. I'd say be very careful who you hire because not all are created equal. However, the person did an exercise with me that I will never forget. And she said, what does your dream day look like? Don't worry about money. Imagine you win the lottery. It's not about money. It's not about the dog. It's not about you. What does your dream day look like? And I looked at what that dream day looked like compared to what my actual day looked like. And that was pretty sad. And that mm. was another impetus for me to make a change. And so not that really I'm even living my dream day now because it was a wild dream day, but I'm closer to it. There are more things yeah. on a daily basis that I enjoy today that put me closer to my dream than where I was in my nine to five job. Yeah. So seek think, help. Yeah. And, and I think the help is, is what helps you to be aware, more aware of your situation, more mindful of what you want to do and how you want to spend your resources, which the most important ones are your time and money. And then intentional, like actually following through and being very intentional in your actions. So I'm with you on that. So how much money should somebody set aside before they quit their job? You know, we kind of touched on that a little bit and obviously it's different for each person, but are there any kind of rules of thumb or just suggestions that you tend to throw out? I think in a perfect world, I'd love to have a year's worth of money set aside. So you know what your life costs you now, your rent or your mortgage, your car payment, your cell phone. What do you need to spend? And if you had a year's worth of that saved up, you are in a very comfortable place to quit your job and just do it. If you have three to six months, that's cutting it a little close. But then again, the tougher it is, the harder you're going to work, the harder you're going to work. I didn't have a plan B. I didn't have anyone who was going to swoop in and help me. So I worked really hard to build my business and make sure I could pay my bills. So if you only have three to six months of savings set aside, that's a great start. Just be very clear about the what ifs. What if it takes nine months to really start making money? What if it takes six months? What if my car breaks down? You need to have what ifs. And credit cards for me was a good one. Not that I wanted to use them or abuse them, but I needed to know that if I was in a situation where I was desperate for cash, I had a plan B. So yeah. kind of think about those what ifs. What would you be willing to give up? What changes to your life would you be willing to make? Um, and then I think three to six months would be okay. Yeah, I, so I was on the, the long end of that spectrum for sure. Um, and like I said, when, when I quit my job, I didn't necessarily think that I had enough set aside, but when I did, I became more resourceful. I started being more intentional and found out that I, I actually had well over two years set aside where I could take my time to grow this business. And I think that was a really good thing. Um, 
but there's also a flip side to that. Like it was a good thing because I could take my time and I can build the foundation of, of something that I think will be really sustainable and something that I'll really enjoy and hopefully never retire from. But the flip side of it is when you give yourself too much time, there's not that sense of urgency. So I think if you can right. find a, a happy balance or a happy and medium. every day that you stay in a job that doesn't give you joy, the closer you are to your finite time in this world. Yeah. And I hate to see anybody spend one more day not having joy in what they do when our time is so finite. So, you know, I don't want anyone to take too much time and kind of wait. I just want you to do it because life is short, guys. The other thing that I'll say is that this gig economy has given us a lot of choices. I met with a woman a couple of days ago who is starting her, restarting her business. And she drives for Instacart or one of these delivery things. She drives for X number of hours a day until she's made enough money to pay her bills. That's what she mm. does. She pays her bills doing gig work. Yeah. And then the rest of the time she builds her business because she didn't have a six month or more float. So just know that there are other options. You could drive for Uber. You can mow lawns. This is a time to be creative. When your gut says to you, I cannot do this anymore. Now is my time. We're all, like you say, very resourceful. We're very smart. There are a lot of ways that you can figure this out. So I don't want you to wait. I want you to jump in and do it because life is too short to wait. Yeah, I totally agree. And when um, you start valuing time and freedom of your time over money, it becomes a lot easier to take a job that you might, your past version of yourself, your ego might have said, well, I'm overqualified for that. I'm, I'm not going to do that. But if you start thinking about it as like, hey, how can I just cover my needs? And they're not yeah. that much because we don't need that much really to be happy. Um, and then spend my time building a business that could eventually net me more wealth than I ever imagined. Well, then that changes the mindset quite a bit. So Correct. And I don't mind driving for Uber because I know that the rest of my day is for me. The rest exactly. of my day is building my future and or working at Starbucks or Home Depot, whatever you got to do, dog sit. There's so many ways to just put food on the table and allow you the time and space to grow your business and, and move forward because sitting at your desk, making plans doesn't get you there. I have so many people who come and see me and they go, Wendy, I have the most amazing business plan. And I'm like, yeah. It's not really helpful. You got to get out there and do it because the plan is only as good as the paper it's written on. Yeah. And for some people, you might get a sense of fulfillment from some of those jobs. Like personally, if I was driving around listening to music all day and talking to interesting people, that might be some sort of fulfillment or, you know, just getting a part time somewhere in the neighborhood. Like if I was working at the local Trader Joe's, I would love that. I already talked to all the employees when I go in there anyway. Right? So. And they yeah. always seem like such happy people. Exactly. Yeah, they do. They so do. I, I just don't want people to think they have to sit there and plan for years in advance. You know, there are so many solutions. It's about trust your gut, make the leap, and, and let's just do it. Yes. Yes. Couldn't agree with you more. So tell us a little bit more about moonlighting. This is a concept that you had brought up to me. And, and tell us about that. And is it a good idea? So this is how I started. Before I actually made the leap, I was doing some work on the side in addition to my day job and sometimes at my day job. Um, although today that's called what? Quiet quitting. I don't know. It seems to be 
pretty prevalent today, but I, I started doing some work on the quitting. side to test the market, to see would people buy the service? What would they pay for the service? Do I enjoy doing it? So if you have the capacity and the time in your life, I highly recommend dipping your toe in the water of being self-employed by moonlighting. If, you know, of course, doing it at night or on the weekends is the best solution to figure it out and see, do I enjoy this? What does it actually take to do this? Will people pay me? Almost like testing your business before you jump in. And for many people, that's a great way to go. And then once you get so busy, you kind of can't do both anymore. You just can't. There are not enough hours in the day. Then I think quitting your full-time job will feel way more comfortable uh, because you kind of already have a feeling that there's business waiting for you. Definitely. And that that feeling of uh, comfort is, is so important because it's such a scary thing to do. And um, you had mentioned earlier, I think you had mentioned about the importance of having a mentor, having, having someone yeah. to kind of help you take that leap. So what are some things that you think are most important to look for in that person, kind of your guide? I think I'm always, for me, I'm always looking for someone who's paved the path before me. I think there's so much value in that expression, don't recreate the wheel. If somebody else has gone down the path that I would like to travel, that would be the first person I would reach out to. I would also always reach out to someone who listens because most of us just want to be heard. I want someone who's going to listen and not tell me how fantastic they are. I want them to listen to me and what my needs are. So when I'm looking for a guide or a mentor or a coach, I'm looking for someone who listens. I'm looking for someone who's been down the path that I would like to go down. And that's where I'm looking for guidance and help. And I prefer generally for it not to be a family or a friend. The people closest to us, much as they love us and care about us, truly struggle to be objective. They do. They bring too much relationship to the table. So even if it's you don't have the cash to pay a professional to help you, maybe you can do a barter. Maybe you can babysit someone's kids. Maybe you can walk someone's dog. What can you do to get the help you need from someone who is not in your close family or friend's circle? A completely objective sounding board for the choices you're about to make. I love that. That's such an important distinction because the people who know you, it is really hard to have these conversations and have them be meaningful. And the first thing that it made me think of when you were describing that is like the relationship that I've had in the past with my therapist, like I've done cognitive behavioral therapy. And it's not like the therapist is the one that's making me better. It's that they're facilitating the environment that allows me to dig deep and figure out where I need to improve. And I've kind of taken that mindset and applied it to not only coaching, because I think that's the important part of a coach or a mentor is to have that environment where you feel very, very comfortable, a safe space where you can kind of figure out and tell yourself what you need to be doing and have a little bit of guidance, but also things like financial advice or business planning. Like, I think that concept applies to so many areas of our life if we genuinely want to get better and improve. And I'll never forget the day I came home and told my husband that I quit my job. <laughs> what was that like? So I was, the, I was the breadwinner in the family and uh, I came home and I told my husband, I'm, I quit today. I'm done. I'm out. And he looked at me. We were standing in the kitchen. I'll never forget. And he looked at me. And he went, 
we're, we're just going to be homeless. We're, we're, we're just going to lose our house. We're going to lose everything. We're going to be homeless. <laughs> and I remember thinking, that's why I didn't ask you before I did it, right? Because he would have talked me out of it. He would have logically explained why it was a very bad idea. But I knew, I knew that there were better things waiting for us. And I knew that we would be okay. I'm an abundant thinker. I believe in abundance. There is plenty in the world. We just need to go out and get it. And he really struggles with that. So that was one of my reminders why the people closest to us, they're not meaning to clip our wings. He didn't want me to go to a job. I was miserable every day, but his own fear got in the way of saying, great, you quit, congratulations. And so that's when I remind people, the people closest to you, they love you, but they can't see what's next. Yeah. the You touched on something there, the abundant mindset, which I think is at least what I'm learning in my entrepreneurial journey is that it's so important to have an abundance mindset and be optimistic. And it's not like be delusional, you know, but be confident in what you're doing and the process that you have in place that if you continue to do that over time and you continue to value helping other people and serving others first and foremost, then the results will be there. Right. Right. And, and, and some uh, days those hard. are harder than others, right? Some days that is hard. It is. And some days it it's is. a little easier. We laugh when I, so I'll get some $20 insurance refund check in the mail and I'll run around the house going, the world is sending us money. The world is sending us money. And my kids and my husband are looking at me like, you're a crazy lady. But I'm trying to teach them that, you know, this is the abundance mindset. The world will send you money. Not yeah. without hard work, mind you. Um, right. There's a lot of hard work, but it's about trusting your gut and knowing that you can do this. You can absolutely do this. And it's it's hard for so many people. It was for me because I'm still, I, I would say, like in the process of shifting from a scarcity mindset, which is just the reality of what my upbringing was like. Yeah. Trying to evolve into that abundance mindset, and it can be difficult. So it's very difficult. My mom, I'll take her to the grocery store. She doesn't drive. I'll take her to the grocery store. We'll pull into the parking lot, and the first thing she'll say is, "We'll never find a parking." That's what she'll say. We'll never find a parking. And <laughs> talk about a scarcity mindset. I'm not even in the parking lot yet. And so I'll say to her, mom, there is plenty of parking. And sure enough, I'll find a nice shady spot under a tree steps from the front door. And I'll say, see, the world is bringing us parking. And, and so this, I grew up with the same thing, this, this limiting. And it's really forces me to every day focus on more. There's plenty. There's plenty for everybody. There's plenty of parking. Yes, absolutely. Plenty of parking out there, people. Um. So one last thing that I wanted to get your take on, Wendy, is if I'm somebody who's sitting in my corporate desk and I've got this plan or I've, I've just got a desire to get out and, and start my own business, how should every new entrepreneur think differently between their personal finances, which you know we talked a little bit about how much should you have set aside to quit your job. So the difference between personal financial planning and business financial planning. Right. And I'll tell you, honestly, in the beginning, they're kind of muddy. 
the waters are kind of muddy. Probably for the first year, maybe even two years, personal and business are all enmeshed into one because you're just trying to figure it out. You got bills to pay. And sometimes a client would pay me $300. And instead of putting it in my business account, I just use it to pay my cell phone bill because that's what I had to do. So in a perfect world, I'd love to tell you to keep them separate. But the reality is I also don't want anyone to be mad at themselves, punish themselves if in the first year or two they're struggling to keep business and personal cash separate. They really do get muddy in the beginning because you do what you got to do. But moving forward, I think the peace of mind you want to think about is how much money does my personal life need and therefore how much business money do I need to bring in? I actually, rather than sit here and go, you should bring in a million dollars. I don't know why people shoot for a million dollars. It's the most ridiculous thing. What you really want to do is figure out what do you need? So if my family need $5,000 a month to continue to live the way we do, that would mean I would need $60,000 after tax in order to support my family in the same way. So now I look and I go, okay, how can I create a business that will support that number. And I back into what my business needs to be. So assume I have to pay 20000 in taxes. That means now I need to bring in $80,000. Okay, how am I going to bring in $80,000? Am I going to sell 10 $8,000 widgets? Or am I going to sell uh, $100, $800 widgets? And that's how I come up with my business plan. And that's how I recommend that you all do it. Start with what you need to make, add on 20% or so for taxes, and then look at that top line and then figure out, okay, how do I go about building that business rather than just scurrying around, aiming for some random number that doesn't really meet your family's needs. And then when that happens, then you'll be in a position to say, Okay, I brought in 80,000. This pays my business bills. This money goes home to personal and you're able to split it. But until you get there, the water is going to be muddied with business and personal. Yeah, yeah. Well, I've definitely experienced that. And it's something that you just kind of have to anticipate initially. But I think having a system in place like what you've described um, definitely helps over time. So that's great advice. And I appreciate that. Is there before we end, any last words of wisdom you want to share with the listeners? Yes. Now, this is not sexy or fun, so I don't want to hear everybody groan, but record keeping, record keeping, record keeping. So even if you're starting to moonlight right now, even if you're starting to do some work on the side, you must, must, must keep good records. You don't need to buy anything expensive like QuickBooks or any of those other fancy things you see. Just an Excel worksheet or a notebook. Keep track of every dollar you spend. It's good practice, business and personal. Food, gas, parking, travel, every dollar needs to be accounted for. This is the only way you're going to be able to figure out what am I really spending? What am, no judgment. This is just for mm -hmm. you. What am I really spending? What do I want to spend? And then you're able to make choices. If you don't have those actual numbers, it's very hard. I'll have people say to me, oh, I spend too much on gas. Well, what's too much? I mean, is it 200 or 300? Like, that's a big difference. Give me the difference. I'll take it. Yeah. Uh, and so you really need to know that number. I spent $252.63 last month on gas for my car. That's important to know. So please, 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 your big takeaway 
other than to quit when you're ready is to do record keeping start today this isn't when i reach my million dollars this is today start your record keeping today please yeah well that's great advice and wendy i really appreciate you coming on today and i i look forward to finding opportunities for us to work with one another in the future and i think for any uh, entrepreneur whether you're an aspiring entrepreneur or an established entrepreneur i think these are all just very important concepts to understand and internalize and I would certainly recommend reaching out to you, Wendy, for, for people that do have questions. So where can people reach you? You're on LinkedIn, which you're a great person to follow on there, but where else can people go to find information about you? So my website is wendybarlin.com. And at wendybarlin.com, there are a lot of free resources. Under the resources page, there are all kinds of worksheets that will help you with your home office deduction and tax deductions, all sorts of free stuff. There's also my favorite tech stack. So all the services and support that I personally use are listed there with the website links so that you can go ahead and, and not have to spend hours researching good products and software. I, everything I use is up there for you to use. And uh, please feel free to reach out anytime. I love to have these conversations. If I can't help you, I want to be able to point you in a direction of someone who can. Awesome. Well, sounds good. Thank you so much, Wendy. And you and I will be talking again soon. Have a great rest of your day. Thanks for listening today. And if you have a moment, check out my website at reflectivewealth.com. Everything you need to know about my business is there. Because if there's one thing I've learned in my career, transparency and accountability are critical to a healthy financial services industry. Thanks and see you next time.